G'day and welcome to Radio Notes. I'm John Merch, the producer and host of Where Those in Music Talk Life and Those in Life Chat Music and More. Our feature guest today is from Western Australia, Mosquito Coast. And the key duo from them had a chat with me at Peter Rabbit in Hindley Street in South Australia in the last week. I'll be turning around that chat and you'll be hearing it in the next little while. But first up, as we do every episode, let's go... In the box. Said to be a regular on the Perth music scene, Gavin Brown. Though the release, Sound Circus, appears to be from November last year, so unsure why it's been sent in recent days, apart from they say, reviews are rolling in. Okay. As same state as today's feature guest, there's a mention to you, Mr. Brown. Let me know what you think. Might give them a call for a chat if you want to know more about what they're up to in 2019. Uh, Ryan Valentine has something new. Good. At age 21, he was recruited to Australia from his homeland to play cruise ships, before a year landing himself in the US to work on his first EP. Most recently, back in the States, California to be precise, to record his first full-length album, Evolution. For fans of John, James and Jeff, the PR says... Let you guess which ones they are. Ryan Valentine's first cut from the new LP, Under a Spell. EMI has sent details through about Emilisandis Sparrow. They say it's a deep, arousing call to action, an anthem of strength, unquote. Scottish soul singer's first solo music in two years, states Rolling Stone in their reporting. With a key lyric that asks the question, With the heart of a sparrow, tell me what arrow could ever bring you down. If you'd like to send something in, the email is radionotes at writeme.com or via the contact page on radionotespodcast.com. Mosquito Coast are a duo unearthed by the National Youth Broadcaster in Australia. Hailing from West Australia and named after film by Peter Weir, the duo have a new album on the way in 2019. Legends is how producer Max Quinn describes them. Let's hear them now chat with John outside Peter Rabbit. Folks, welcome to Radio Notes. Hello. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Good to have you on board. You're here in Adelaide, South Australia as part of the Sweet Talking Single Tour. How's this single going? How do you feel about it? We weren't ever expecting it to be the single, so it's, it's yeah. pretty surprising to see it take off on the album that we've recorded. It's definitely a, an outlier and it definitely stands out a lot. So, got a like a really different feel from the rest of the album. But like I think like our manager kind of wanted to push that as a single cuz she saw it as a way to like get more of the commercial reach that we wouldn't get otherwise if we chose another song. How important is that getting commercial success compared to artistic success? Well, you still get both, just you just choosing another song to, like, focus on. But I think it's, like, you need, like, a balance of being able to, like, reach the masses a little bit and being able to, like, express your individuality as a band. It's still on brand for us and it's still, like, it's still on the album, you know, so we're obviously proud of that. Connor, let's talk about the writing of the song. My understanding is that when Naomi originally presented it to the group, that it was a little bit more downbeat and might be something she does quite often. And you went, well, it has to be a heartbeat. It has to be 115 revs per minute. You've done your research. This is good. A lot of the time, Gnomes plays things a bit slower. And so I'll try and bump them up to a pace where her fingers are kind of racing (laughs) along the guitar. But I know that, like, now that it's just second nature because we know the song yeah like so well but when we're recording it and especially with this recording process we did go into it with a lot of songs half finished or like there, there was one song even that gnomes showed me like on the plane on the way there i think luke 42 oh yeah <laughs> but i think that's what made it so fun was that yeah. like there was varying levels of uh, completion He's saying more of a downbeat and then he pumps it up. Yeah, that normally happens. I feel like your BPM is like what your resting heart rate is. I have this like weird theory. I'm like, it depends how like, like, because you're pretty like, like fast music, but I'll always write stuff that's like 
much slower because I feel like that's how yeah, I operate. I'm like pretty <laughs> slow, so I'm like, I just want that You're, to be a bit slower. The demos always kind of meander. Like they're yeah, always kind of like, like a, a, a slow <laughs> jaunt through the... <laughs> But like gnomes lives by the sea, so like I feel that it yeah. has like such a. It's so crazy. Like you're just looking at, you know, you're not taking things too too. How things fast, like, like reflect your environment. Yeah. Like I used to live in like next to industrial area in Fremantle, and they had like heaps of construction, and I hell started getting into like industrial music from that. I was like, that's. I was like, this is really good, and you could like hear notes in the construction when they were like doing it. Well, that sounds weird, but like. So drilling like has like a key and I'd be like oh that literally they key, the key sounded like a Gary Newman song and I yeah. went and learnt the Gary Newman song after that because it sounds like the beginning of it. Yeah so actually good. Kevin from Tame was saying once that As in to, Tame Impala? Yeah. Mm. When he used to work on the mines he, he would always Yeah. Would ah. always write cool. songs in like a certain key because it was the key Drone. that the yeah the key that machine would drone at yeah, it's really And so weird he would always have that natural note in his head. Yeah. Like. The new album's been recorded by a French producer, but in New York, but a French yeah. producer all the same. Yeah. Has that come through in the album recording that they are a French producer? Because French, so. I'm thinking <laughs> Daft Punk. No, oh, so he, he's been like living. Moodoid. He's right. been he, living in New York, like, since he was 11. So he's got, like, a thick New York accent. Yeah. You can't really tell that he's. French. But he got our like references and stuff. We were like referencing like melodies at Coachella, but he was like, "Oh yeah, I know her." And we were like, "Oh cool." <laughs> With the benefit of hindsight, when we're listening back to the stems of the album, you can definitely hear lots of just things that he's left in that we've like you never really noticed until now. You can really have like a proper listen into it. Yeah, and there's just we so get many funny stem. things that like we wouldn't have even remembered like mm. but yeah he definitely left his mark on it i also understand is the grammy award winner for war on drugs so the producer has got a grammy yeah, yeah. i think that was recent yeah that was that just was before like we before went before we after we had booked to go yeah we'd booked but we hadn't actually gone it's yet. so funny because he could have like upped his price yeah. after that be like no i'm a luckily, grammy award luckily winner. we already <laughs> negotiated that yeah we're like no can't pull out now that was one of the main reasons we wanted to work with him because we were looking at like mid-range Australian producers and then we just weren't really getting anywhere and then our manager just decided to take a shot and email like all our idols and like all our favourite bands Yeah, she, she emailed Ruben from Unknown oh, no Mortal Mortal and he replied. She just went go hard or go home pretty much and yeah, Nick, nice. Nick got back and He liked yeah. the demos. We I'd done like we went down to Mandra and we did some demos and then like they're just on my loop pedal some of them so we sent them all to him and then he was like I like the lo-fi vibe. Yeah really specific sounds that I liked and a lot of them like not even realizing that they were his work were his well, so just like snare drum sounds or guitar tones or like reverbs on certain vocals of songs. Do you believe in fate? Not really but I just think we, we were we were lucky <laughs> enough to just have a go just like timing. of a manager, it's really. Just yeah. timing. It was like the point where we were getting into the bands that he had produced, which was kind of weird because yeah. he'd be referencing people and he'd be like, oh yeah, I've already done them. So it felt yeah, weird. like he would just, all the bands that kind of we idolised were his friends. So he, he definitely name dropped a lot, but it was cool. We had some pretty, pretty cool stories. Both of you are currently listening to Marie Davidson. Where yes. did you discover her work? Oh, how did you know that? I discovered her through Connor. So. I listened to a lot of dance and techno records. Kept popping up on, on the blogs and stuff. Um, and we just... Yeah, just her like... Her way of going about things is so and her, like, like, unconventional. And ethic as well. Like I love... Yeah. She's so much like power in her music. Her beats are incredible, and then the fact that she actually has something meaningful to say over the top of them, critiques dance music by making dance music is <laughs> super interesting. She's pretty cynical, but I like her. Do you like that cynicism? Yeah, it's good to. Cause I think with pop culture, we can uh, build it up and say that it's like this whole like escapism thing. But her take on it is that like responsible for your actions within that space which is pretty interesting 
both of you just clicked over to your second decade. Yeah. The second decade. Yeah, twenties, oh, as in right, your twenties. Right, right. So there's a lot of future ahead. What is the plan for the next ten years for both of you? Well, the plan is. I haven't planned next week, so this is all yours. The plan is to keep getting better, keep trying to do music and try and like figure out which direction we want Mosquito Coast to go. Do I've got other solo projects that I want to work on and try and make that like a career. Do you still have your cafe job? Yeah. Yeah, literally worked yesterday. Did you? <laughs> so in the next 10 years that hopefully will be um, in the rearview mirror? Yeah, I want to I wanna work in the music industry even if it's not making music which I've never like expected to make me personally any money I'd like to at least work with other musicians so whether that be like managing or working at a booking agent or in the music press or whatever I just want to be involved in it somehow I want to walk you through this new album because we're at a great position whilst this is the uh, tour for the single Sweet Talk and so you're back in Australia before you head over to New York. What was the preparation like for the uh, debut album? We had like 11 songs and we had to like cut them down. And then like we kind of shaped them when we were there. There were some songs that were pretty much finished and then there were some songs that like But none of them had bridge, lyrics, you know? so we had to like write lyrics when we were there. Definitely music first for you guys. Yeah, melodies. Melodies are good. Yeah, yeah even if it's just like or gibberish. Or like vibe. Yeah, words always after. Yeah. But they always somehow click. Yeah, there's always like kind of... This album has like a bit of a theme. We decided that it was about relationships kind of thing. Yeah, they're all like little little intimate snapshots. Yeah. Like whether it be romantic relationships or friends or familiar. Like, yeah, they're all just like each a little little bit of a story. We tried to be more direct as well. Obviously, there's relationships with other people and with groups of people and family, etc. But is there any songs that are purely a mirror to each one of yourselves? Not really. Most of them, like none of them, really have like I pronoun. Right. No, they're never I. It's always thinking about someone else. Except for that one, Rouge. Yeah. <laughs> but but it's still about another person. You're oh, like yeah. looking on from another person. And yeah. then there's oh, there's another song called Goodbye Kiss, which is about kind of fleeting. You weren't expecting anything. But uh, it's always more like a. I, I can put a portrait to each song, put it that way. Yeah. You guys have said that it's a long distant relationship band that you're in. Mm-hmm those sort of challenges over the years I believe you're still in Perth you're in Melbourne is it a good or a bad thing it's good because I get to come to Melbourne and I really like Melbourne it's a, it's a good music scene over there it's harder to jam with each other it makes it more special when we see each other as yeah well. like when we yeah, see each other at the airport it's just like yeah it's nice yay. Yeah, you don't take it for granted but yeah and, and the internet is so handy being able to like shoot each other's tracks and edit them and mm. send them back over and we've always been doing things pretty DIY yeah. anyway so like a lot of the time it's just a voice memo of someone humming over <laughs> a loop pedal you know so yeah that's true you guys are early enough you may not feel it but you're early enough in your musical career particularly on the prefaces of a debut album to talk about influences so I'll do that now David Burns Urgency and Kim Gordon's Cool well it was more like really specific like the long but I didn't realise that quote was going to be taken like verbatim and that's why I won't check because I only <laughs> saw this quote on there going that doesn't really sum up how I hear you guys. Yeah. That was Only for specifically singing. for Sweet Talking. Yeah. So when Gnomes was talk singing the oh, verses, we were thinking of Once in a Lifetime, where David Byrne's doing the You May Find Yourself Living in a Shotgun House. Okay. Da, 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 and Sonic like, Youth's cool thing, maybe? Was the sprawl, where she's oh, the sprawl, doing yep. the whole... Um, talking over everything. Yeah. Does that sound simple enough? That quote? trying to get that like effortlessness of just being like talking in the mic as if no one's listening and then the David Byrne urgency thing was just after I read an article that said once he wanted to sound urgent so he ran around the block twice and then went straight into the studio and recorded the song so he's literally (laughs) puffing in the song and it's not 
like it's not fake you like literally just can't breathe so I thought that was pretty fun <laughs> what kind of education for you Connor I went to a public school and then just floated along and now I'm studying politics and international relations and media is there a particular pinpoint in the world that takes your interest? No, I actually really don't like doing the international relations side of things. I yeah. much prefer the politics side. I like looking at just kind of different demographics and why they vote the way they do and trying to figure out how you can change that. So you're into oh, yeah. changing people or changing their perception of what they know? Maybe just like trying to make especially with young people like how much political apathy there is like just trying to make people care a little more like even yeah just people close to us that are pretty switched on but will still think they don't need an opinion on certain social issues but you know it's it's been a really interesting degree but i'm also pretty sick of it you nearly um, finished uh, thank do you think music can change political view? Yeah, totally. Like, I think of politics really broadly. So, like, I think a lot of everyday life things that you do can be, can be political. Like, being a person of colour, being a person... Or, like, being a queer person. Like, everyday life can be political. Like, being out can be political. So... Yeah, I think people need to look at it more broadly. Like, you can't just be like, ah, oh, Midnight Oil is political and that's it, you know? Or, like, pretty much hip-hop as a genre is political. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I did a whole unit on this, so yeah. I'm like... How much of this record is Nick's and how much of this record is yours? Most of it's ours. I think it's, like... Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I think most of it was... Ours, obviously, he had, like, a spot in, like, mixing it and stuff, so... Yeah. It's gonna be, like, a bit of him, but... But he always forced, yeah, he was always pushing us to like. And we'd be like, no, if he said you know. an idea and we didn't like it, we're like. No. Yeah, totally. <laughs> How many we're tracks? Like, no. We said 10 tracks? 10? 10 or 11? Yeah, 10 or 11. And there's some interludes in there that yeah. we Okay, about 40 minutes or? 36. That's good. It's a short one. Yeah, they're quick, short quick songs. <laughs> Because it is about relationships, is there a conscious connection of those chapters of those people that those songs are based upon? No. That Fred and it's Fred and Jeremy sort of live together or something? No, it's no. not really linear because yeah, they're it's all not such linear, varied really. relationships. Like and it, they're it's both not... of our relationships with different people, so they just we're just like one human with some relationship. Like they're both merged together. Yeah. Mosquito Coast's relationships. Yeah. <laughs> our Hall of Fame. Having been together for a number of years now, what's stronger, the band relationship or the new friendships and relationships you find outside of the band? I think our relationship has changed a lot and it's like matured a lot as we mature because I was like very immature when I was younger so I feel like it's gotten better since we've been together more and like because of that the band's improved and you can see that even in the in the live set that the relationship is like there it's more like strong like you can yeah, kind of see it we take things a lot more seriously now yeah. and like i guess yeah it's just been like a, such a long friendship now that it's kind of like we joke that it's like a married couple like yeah you know we're so comfortable with like building each other's ideas up but also like vetoing things and not being like too mad about it yeah. you know and we don't really fight that much when we work together. No. Like, no. It's just kind of like, really we, we know it's for the best of the album. Yeah. Like, and we respect each other's, like, I respect your, like, you know what you're doing. With, I'm like, like, I think it also helps that neither of us can play each other's instruments. Look, yeah. Keys is our, like, our shared baby. But, yeah, <laughs> I don't, so I never, like, comment on Gnomes' guitar because I have no idea what's going on. Gnomes doesn't say anything about my drums. Since is just an all-in yeah. where we just can't get enough of it. But really. the difference is you know notes and I don't know synth notes. So yeah. <laughs> you're like, but that makes it fun. Yeah, that's like, good. Because Gnomes doesn't know any of... Or now you do. But like when I we first started playing keyboard, <laughs> some of the progressions were really unconventional, but it makes it really fun to listen to. Like at first I, I wanted to shut it down because it was just difficult to play. Like, I just yeah. didn't want to have to learn it. Yeah. But then once I did learn it, I was like, this is so worth it because 
Yeah, the chord progressions I wouldn't come up with because you have the theory. I'm too basic. <laughs> Talk to me um, about the level of trust that's required for that. It's difficult. It's just kind of like trial and error and also like knowing when to back down on ideas or like mm-hmm. give someone the room to try an idea. Yeah. And we sometimes were... that means just going in two separate rooms and both trying to come up with a part and then coming. Yes. Like we've done that and we'd both be like, Who's I'm going to go find better? out. And then we'd come back and be like, oh, okay, like, yeah, this one, oh no, yours was better. We'll combine it or something. Like, yeah. And uh, the, another thing with Nick was that he was so open to experimentation like the way we had the studio set up was that everything was on and ready to record at all times so if I was like I had something in my head and I straight away was like let me record it we'd just run in when we'd record it and if it was bad then it it didn't matter it would go in the bin we did so many weird things that were like went in the bin but there were heaps of other things that we did that ended up staying on the record and are like our favourite that weird like bass drop there was like one time where it was like really late and then someone was like, why don't we just do some like weird like free for all thing. And then he started, I don't know, he got like a sample from YouTube and then we were like, put that oh, into yeah. something. It got really weird. The and then by the end of the we night we were like, like no, nah, what the f*** was that? <laughs> Waste like two hours on this little track and then just it like binned it instantly. Yeah. <laughs> or there was one song where like we tried singing in an accent. Which you tried singing. What the accent? Ar- the Ariel Pink one in the Paris, Texas song. Yeah, because I really, I wrote that song to sound like John, John Mouse, John Moose, you know that guy? And then I, but then I was like, oh, it's not going to fit the Mosquito Coast vibe. <laughs> yeah. There's other things like in Skipping Girl, there's these little like, little heart things that just pop around. I like those. And that was, Gnomes yeah, was we just were like, like, randomly was like, risky. jumped in the thing and we were like, what are you going to do? just did that and we are like that's actually really cool and then it's, like, it's is there it too lame? that's really fun there's lots of little things like that that Flourishes? Were, were just experiments that turned out okay yeah how you make that professional relationship work now you've said understanding we've spoken about trust is there other elements that you would recommend uh, make sure you're always well fed yeah because we don't work yeah, well yeah don't get hungry we get hungry real quick and then nothing works. His mum brought cake to the accommodation. She's from Perth and she ordered it. So we we rocked up, up to the hostel and there was a cake at the so lobby. In New York? No, no here. Just oh, in now. Adelaide. My 21st birthday, so... Today. Uh, today? Today. And you're wasting time with me. You're cool. What else am I going to do? Did you get him a present? Happy birthday. Thank you. What did you get Connor for his birthday? Well, or is it a surprise? No, I've already given it to him. I like because he always complains that there's no like good beaches in Melbourne. I like got him had this wooden box and I painted it and put some shells on it and I like made little like shell keychain from the beach. It's and, the best present. I've and got. then I put like beach in a box. <laughs> What's the deal with Virgin Airlines still not respecting musicians? Uh, Oh, luggage. Mm. Yeah. Did you see his Twitter post? Oh, yeah. And I saw how quickly... Oh, you're so good. I can see how quick their customer service were as well. But that's not <laughs> the point. Yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things that, like, it's never going to get any better because, A, Virgin's the only airline we're ever going to fly with because mm. they give you the APRA allowance, which is lovely. Can we talk about what that is? Because I don't know what that is. So if you're a member of APRA, which is the Australian... Performing Rights Association we can tour without paying extra for luggage which is mm. awesome because we bring a lot of four pieces sh- of instruments a person four pieces yeah. of luggage and we use all of it yeah. but that time that you posted on twitter that was really bad the 24th yeah. of february getting back into life and particularly i haven't had a chance to ask this yet but i know it's a, a big big thing for connor so i'll start with naomi it's broccolini is it about vegetables oh, what's the favorite food at the moment, I really like cooking curry, like and like eggplant curry and stuff. I'm really into that because it's cheap, got a lot of flavour. It's good. <laughs> we like to do band cooking sessions. Yeah, our bass player he used to be a sh- well, he is a chef kind of, so he just knows like really good like quick recipes and stuff for tour. Definitely gets us through. He's got an Instagram. Plug your Instagram page. Cooking Instagram page. What's mine your- started off as a bit of a joke, but mine was influenced by our friend Yo. His Instagram handle is Snacks with Yo. So then I did Snacks with Con. 
And it, it's, you know, it's growing. If, if you want to follow it, you Snacks with Con. With Con, yeah. C-O-N. On yep, okay. What's this one? Uh, Mitch and I did a collaboration. We did a tofu and mushroom barn me. I like to do things that are like look fancy but I know we're really cheap so I got discounted salmon the other day and I did uh that was my salmon dish that was I'm, I'm quite proud of that one I like so I, I try and do we got a lot of vegan and vegetarian oh. friends you said that you stole that idea from Yo. snacks with yo y-e-o for those that are playing at home what are it's they up to released a new single I think it's called restless yeah you're right yeah. I haven't listened to it yet but it's it's probably gonna be really good yeah, yeah, he's going well. We had dinner with him the other week in um, Melbourne, which was nice. Last time he toured Perth, Gnomes got on stage and sang some songs with him, which that was really nice. fun. That was scary. I was like, I don't want to butch your songs. <laughs> <laughs> he's also playing with Mojo Juju at the moment. He's her mm-hmm. bass player. What's the family of musicians that you believe that you're part of in the Australian music scene? Um, there used to be a band called Mezco from Sydney. Oh, yeah, they're really nice. They were like one of the first bands we toured the whole country with and they're originally from Perth as well and we just got along with them so calm mm. and so every time we're in Sydney and every time they're in Perth we make sure that we're at each other's gigs and have dinner and yeah I'd say they're the clo- closest for me yeah apparently. there's like a few different people that play music in Fremantle that I really like look up to and stuff they're really nice yeah like Nelson from Power Negro Okay. I mean, super ego. They changed their name. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's really nice and like really down to earth. And his girlfriend plays music and stuff, and she's super cool. And, yeah. Um, and Be- Ben Aguero and stuff. Yeah, as well. he's amazing. He's like an undiscovered gem of Fremantle. Yeah. Where's Perth Fremantle music at at the moment? Um, it's still just like doing what it does. Well, like it depends who you talk to, because it's like what people want to get out of the scene and like if you look at it from like we're talking to you Naomi so what's yeah. your experience of it what's going I on like, there I like it it's not like Melbourne is really like what I like is that like kind of like broken beat jazz stuff that's going on in Melbourne that's not really in Perth yet like it's more kind of like I don't know it's still kind of like psych rocky I reckon yeah but you like a little bit you've also but got there's like, more you've got a lot more singer songwriters coming through yeah like you've there's got a lot Stella, of really good singer songwriters and Carla Geneve who we're really yeah, good friends true. with is Bri Clark one of those over there yeah I don't know she yeah. play, plays not as much as like the others like she wasn't one of those people that you would see kind of open mojos say like like you would with Carla or Stella but, mm. yeah she we saw her at Big Sound and she was really cool. It's an artist that's on my radar to catch yeah. up with in the next couple of months because oh, I just cool. think there's something something there. Yeah. And so I thought, since you guys are sort of around those bands I a bit more than I am. But it's like mostly all the bands that you end up soaring at like local gigs, like those people are like getting to tour now, which is mm. really cool because like they're finally getting some recognition. When did you first see Stella Donnelly? I saw her like a couple of years ago and she, I used to play in Boat Show and like she was friends with Ali who's in Boat Show and then I quit and then she would fill in on guitar and stuff. She's so good. Every time she would play, like she'd play like Wednesday open mics or something, but like everyone would be like in tears. Like she's just like, it's so captivating and like she practiced really hard to get to where she was, is now I think. She's definitely super deserving. Yeah, definitely. The visual representation. What's what's your plans for the videos for this particular record beyond sweet talking, of course? We just gave like pretty much all full creative license to our friends Stanton and Alex, who are make up the Highball Collective, um, and we just were lucky enough that we trusted them so much that we didn't we didn't want to kind of hinder their vision, and we just said yes to everything. Yeah. So we pretty much just rocked up, and they. They'd obviously sent us like a... Script. Treatment. Treatment, that's yeah. it. Yeah. And we were just like, yeah, that looks incredible. And pulled through on like minimum budget. And it's was good. just just doing things because they look good and because they want to make nice things. Yeah. Not... And we're both at like a similar level. Like they're definitely going to go far in the industry. But we're kind of at the level where like they can help us and like we can help them as well do you yeah. think? like they, maybe they're even above us like yeah so it's good that they would want to work with us 
and we've definitely kept it going like we're starting to wear the outfits from the sweet talking video yeah. on stage every night which is nice after the gig tonight after you've performed mm -hmm. what emotions do you have after you've performed it really depends sometimes it's like dread other times it's like really good when it's like you just feel so calm the gigs when you feel like really good afterwards yeah it's always nice you turn to each other and you're just like thumbs up yeah you know? like nice it feels job. yeah it feels great it's nice because you accomplish something as a team as well yeah playing a team sport <laughs> totally yeah and is there a particular song that you listen to after performing your own music after after a show is there any particular music you listen to or any ritual even we do rituals before the gig, like we yeah. do vocal warm-ups all together and like we stretch and stuff and like we do star jumps. Just to like, because if you get nervous before a gig, you just kind of need to be taken out of your head a bit and just do some like physical exercise or something. It sounds lame, but like it works. <laughs> the last gig we played as well, we started doing like clapping games like you do in primary school. Just to like, you know, yeah, get out of your head before the show. It was just like, we're just really silly. Yeah, we're just <laughs> silly, but I like it because I've played in other bands where like you don't have that like camaraderie where you're all like together before you go on stage and like it's good to have that moment. Yeah, it's not like we're all super close friends. Like yeah. I even just having the week apart, like it was so nice to all catch up and hear what everyone's been doing for the last week. It's like a little family because we, yeah. we've had such a. You miss as well. them, don't you? I miss he them does. so much. Like, oh, I can't believe you miss like, them. Like and like our manager <laughs> and our, like we've always had our sound, the same sound guy. Yeah, so, he's like, so nice. So like we really nice. have like we're so lucky to have such a tight knit team yeah. that like everyone's willing to. You do have a great team. Absolute pleasure to speak with both of you. Thanks for joining Radio Notes. Thank you. Thank you. Mosquito Coast. For more information, including tour dates, the duo can be found at Mosquito Coast. Whilst those listening via the broadcast might be listening in any particular order or maybe just to one episode, a bit of an insight into those following on the podcast itself in the coming weeks, months, however you may be listening. The following episodes are coming up. A chat with Rachel Eckroth, who is the keyboardist for Rufus Wainwright, will be a few weeks from now. Simon Taylor will be joining us to talk about his comedic styles and working on The Jay Leno Show. The wonderful Sam Buckingham will be on the line to talk about yoga. And we'll also finally catch up with the extended chat with David Thor of the Cactus Channel to find out about his solo release. That's some of the chats on the way or have been depending how you're listening, on Radio Notes, the podcast. The Adelaide Fringe and Festival at time of recording has finished. I got to three shows with an old workmate, and I got to one Adelaide Festival show, which was Megan Washington on Friday. Before I mention that, I got to know Adelaide Writers Week this year, which I'm kicking myself about. I just could not get my headspace around to go. But as I mentioned, Megan Washington... I was lucky enough to uh, get a ticket back in November and get along to what ended up not being a sold-out show, so I could have actually got a ticket at the door. I was guest two once there, Michelle Smith of Worm Adelaide Broadcasting fame, and also Jane and Ian Doyle. Ian Doyle is a journalist uh, stalwart, and Jane Doyle from the Channel 7 News, but also a huge fan of the cabaret, and a very loud woman in our booth was Camilo Sullivan, who'd performed before Washington, who was actually heckling her whilst she was on stage. The audience wasn't impressed, but I kind of knew who she was, and I could appreciate that she was just letting off some of the energy that she had, hadn't let off on stage just a few moments prior. Anyway, to Washington, I do have a set list I was going to go through with you and give you a bit of an insight of the tune she chose to perform with two members of the Zephyr Quartet and two other stringed instrument guests on stage. But I'm going to leave that for the show notes at radionotespodcast.com. Off the charts. Look over the Australian recording charts for this week based on the last week's sales and the like, starting with the Australian Artist Album Chart. 
New and at one, Kirsch's Lifestyle. Had not heard of them, gave a few seconds listen before the C-bombs dropped, and, well, if it's your thing, it's out now. Number two, knocked from one, The Great Expanse from the very fine Hilltop Hoods, whose mural I'll passed in the morning, jumped to four, and that has Amy Shark knocked from three by a new entry, and one I had personally hoped would be top of the spot, if I'm allowed to play favourites, Stella Donnelly who we mentioned with Mosquito Coast, with a record called Beware of the Dogs, in at number three, brand new. Further down the charts, Kylie's Golden at seven and EXS two doors down at nine with the very best. The Wiggles wiggle down a spot to 15 with Tash Sultana's Flow State streams into a re-entry of the waters of the chart at 19. Sucker Jonas Brothers is Australia's number one single in the main and streaming charts and notably Lord Luxury's single Body is 32 on the main single chart and on streaming chart at 28. Mention them as they were the winners at the Juno Awards Gala in the last few hours. Andra Santa, a future guest of Radio Notes, I spotted at the Juno Awards Gala just a few hours ago. We'll have a chat with her on a future episode. The winners I will include in the show notes for this episode. But for now, so you've got something to talk about over the water cooler, I'll give you a quick rundown of some of the winners from the gala of the Juno Awards. Starting off with the single of the year to Sean Mendes with In My Blood. The international album of the year went to Beerbongs and Bentleys for Post Malone. Also note that Shawn Mendes got Artist of the Year, presented by Apple Music. The Children's Album of the Year, this is a hoot. Splash and Boots, You, Me and the Sea, which is an independent through Fontana North Universal. And also the Rock Album of the Year, no surprise there, goes to the Arkells with Rally Cry. And the producer of that album won an award as well. Vocal Jazz Album went to Lalia Barilla with her self-titled. That's also out on Fantania North Universal and Chroma Growth. And also Old Soul by Ruby Boots for the Jazz Album of the Year solo. And the Album of the Year group for the Jazz category. Just while I'm there, the Seasons of Being. What else of note I can share? Oh, yes. Blues Album of the Year. Miles to Go, Colin James. And Tired of Basic by Love Collide was the contemporary Christian gospel album of the year, if you are interested in that. And a number of awards going to the boob, to Michael Bublé, including the adult contemporary album of the year. And I also note the Humanitarian Award went to the great Dave Foster. That's just a very quick run through of the Juno Award Gala winners for 2019. As mentioned, Andra Santa, who was there at the event, will be a future guest. Music is my mistress, and she plays second fiddle to no one. That's the sounds of Jumani Smith. He's an extraordinary trumpet player. And I was going to save this chat for a little bit later, but I noticed that we have 15 minutes or so left of this very episode of Radio Notes. And considering Michael Bublé has won so many awards at this year's Juno Gala Award... What a great time to just share 10 minutes or so of this extended chat that I had with Jumani five plus years ago. So let's dive into the archives. It's been nearly 10 years that you've been touring with a man who likes swooning upon the stage. Yes. We'll probably talk about him a little later in the piece. But firstly, a debut album from you this year? Yes, finally my debut album has been released. I'm very excited about it. Uh, I play the trumpet, and a lot of people don't know that I also sing. And after performing and playing the trumpet for 24 years, I've just released my first record called I Only Have Eyes For You, and it features some great special guests like Michael Buble, Jackie Ivanko, and Naturally Seven as well. We recorded it at the same studios Michael uses for his records and with the same producers and arrangers, and I'm tremendously proud of the record. Can we talk about Jackie? Don't know her. So I delved in and tried to find out a bit more about her. She's actually self-taught. She learned how to sing music from Phantom of the Opera when she was like four. It's, it's amazing. Her and her mother has helped her as well. And now she's grown into this phenomenal entertainer and vocalist. Working with her has been tremendous. It, it truly has. Uh, she's just incredible. I, I got the chance to 
tour with her around the U.S. for almost a year. We did a bunch of shows and theaters together and had a really great time. How your passion or your fascination with the trumpet actually started? Well, I grew up in Seattle, Washington, and I started playing the trumpet when I was about 10 years old. And at that time, actually, I didn't want to play the trumpet. I wanted to play the French horn. Uh, but nobody wanted to teach me how to play the French horn, so they stuck me with a trumpet and it sort of stuck. And then I was fortunate enough to get into the Roosevelt Jazz Program under the direction of Mr. Scott Brown in Seattle, Washington. Mm -hmm. They have a high school jazz program that's worldwide known. They're known all over the world for being tremendous. And, and there's a lot of young aspiring musicians in Seattle that want to be professional jazz musicians. So I was among my peers, and it was just kind of a cool thing to do. And when I got into the Roosevelt Jazz Band, we started touring a little bit, mm. too. So when I was 14 years old, I got to go on my first tour. And I, when we toured Europe, we toured all over Europe, and we went to this beautiful festival called the North Sea Jazz Festival. And also we went to the Montreux Jazz Festival as well. And there I was able to see all these legendary musicians who I had always dreamt of seeing in person. And, and it just really knocked me out. And some of them I even got to meet. And so at that point, I knew that I wanted to become a musician. But why the French horn? The French horn, because I loved the sound of it. It, a, a beautiful tone, you know. And the, have you gone back? Have you? I've never learned how to play the French horn. You've never gone back. Never gone back for some reason. It's one of the few instruments I haven't learned how to play. Is it a muse that you'll never take part with? I don't know. Well, there's something. There's something to it actually. And over the years, I developed what's called perfect pitch. Uh, so when I hear a note, I can tell you exactly what it is, and I can play it right away on my trumpet or on the piano, which I also play or on the bass which I also play and I can play the drums too but you can't really tell what notes they are on the drums and is perfect pitch the key to being a great session musician uh, I would not say that it's the key to being a great session musician is it one studying of them? very hard is the key to putting in 10,000 hours to be great some of the people you've played with can I just name these off uh, Bieber, Diddy, Alicia Keys, Quincy Jones and Mr. Stevie Wonder but Wynton Marsalis... That's the short list. Yeah, that's the short list. <laughs> Wynton Marsalis, what's the connection there? Oh, Wynton has been phenomenal. Actually, when I was 18 years old, I went to the Essentially Ellington Festival in New York, and I met Wynton Marsalis for the first time, and he had heard me on tape at that point, and he knew exactly who I was when I came up to him the first time, and he said, he pulled me aside, he said, boy, you can play, you need to get to New York. And I'll teach you. So I came to New York right away. So from moved, Seattle to New York. Moved across country on my own. I didn't know anybody at all. And I came to New York and, and I started going to the New School University. Well, Wynton was developing this new program at the Juilliard School. And I went to the New School for a year and a half. And then I transferred to Juilliard and went there for four years. And that was a phenomenal experience. It was just tremendous being around so many like-minded people who were studying uh, at the highest level conservatory possible. They only accept half of 1% of their applicants. So it was such a great honor to be a part of that institution and to have been able to, to learn from the masters there. And that really is the time when it, it gave me discipline and it, it honed my skills and, and I really feel like I came into my own there and I still use the techniques and the things that I learned there today. So you're in Seattle and you're going to New York. What was happening in Seattle at the time that you felt comfortable that New York was a better place to go to? Well, in my scene that I was growing up in, jazz was happening. 60s yeah. jazz, 50s jazz, and we used to always go listen to jazz in the club all over the place. And so by the time I was 18, I'd been dreaming of moving to New York for four years, you know. So you arrive at New York, you've already said not knowing too many people. Mm -hmm. What was the connection that kept you going with the music when, once you got there? Music is my mistress, and she plays second fiddle to no one. So, yeah. therefore, it's always been something that's just I've been so passionate about and driven towards that it was irresistible. It was like something I had to do. It wasn't a choice. Releasing an album like this this year, there's been some challenges with your mistress as well, has there? 
Well, releasing the album, there's been some some trials with getting the album out. I, it's a self-release, you know. I'm very proud of it. I'm tremendously proud of making this record and putting it out on my own. The reason I did it as a self-release was because I wanted to give it as best of a shot as I absolutely could. So I put everything I could into it and all my heart and soul and as much money as I could possibly come up with. And uh, we made a beautiful record at some of the greatest studios in the world with the greatest artists in the world as well. People that you've worked with, I, I know with the Alicia Keys as well. Mm-hmm. And it's the one with John Mayer, who, who was in town just a couple of weeks ago yeah, as well. Yeah. Well, I put the horns together for a song called Superwoman, and I played the trumpet on it as well. And that was a really great session and a really great opportunity to be involved with that. Uh, she's a phenomenal artist to work with, and it was nice getting the chance to meet her and work with her in the studio and everything. It was a beautiful experience. You've also worked in the realm of film. Yes, I have. Handsome Harry. Uh, in film, I also worked on a, on, a, on a film called Being in the World, which is a documentary about artists in the world. It's a phenomenal film by uh, Tao Rupolzi, mm-hmm. and uh, it won some awards at the Tribeca Film Festival and Sundance, and I'm tremendously honored to have been considered one of the masters. So it's it's about mastery of an art, whatever the form may be, and bringing the passion. And they go around and and uh, ask a bunch of musicians and get them to play and everything. And musicians, artists, uh, chefs, you know, whatever it might be. So that was phenomenal. And working on Handsome Harry was tremendous as well. Uh, it was very cool because... They said that they wanted some jazz tracks sort of in the Miles davis vein. And so that was fun for me because I'm actually born on Miles' birthday and I've studied Miles Davis a lot. And uh, so it was really cool to write some music in that style and, and do the film score to that. Miles, Armstrong, any others that we should know that are forming the man? Well, Armstrong, definitely. Stevie Wonder. I love Stevie's music as well. Do you have a story to uh, share about Michael Stevie? Michael Bublé, of course. Oh, yeah, I have a story to share about Stevie. So I was fortunate enough to perform on the Grammys with Stevie Wonder a few years ago. And leading up to it, we rehearsed a lot. And it was really cool to spend the week rehearsing with Stevie Wonder. My favorite thing was getting to learn from him because I play the trumpet and sing as well. And so I got to learn how he practices. And so I got to see him like sit at the piano and, and sort of practice his vocals and it was really cool getting to see that. And then we also jammed together. We played some jazz standards together, and that was really tremendous. A lot of people don't know how great he is at jazz standards, but he really is. Did you get some song ideas? And are you keen to get some original compositions in the mix as well? When, when you're having sessions like that? Yeah, I'm definitely keen to get original compositions in the mix. And I write a lot of music myself. Uh, for this particular record, I wanted to keep it with the Great American Songbook and make a romantic record about love. Uh, but in the future, I plan to start incorporating some of my own original material as well. You mentioned the L word. Yeah. You mentioned love. Yeah. What does it mean to you as a musician, as a person, as a performer? Love is a very powerful thing. Love has many entities. And uh, there's many ways to love. I I think love is everything. All you need is love. (laughs) And love is everything you need. And everything, every aspect of one's life. That's my belief. A very sensual record as well. So love and sensuality I find on this record. Yes. I haven't felt the trumpet being such a sensual element or instrument for quite a while. Thank you very much. How do you think that comes about for you? as a performer well I'm truly a romantic at heart I am and so it's a it's a very important thing for me I wanted to make a very sensual album I I wasn't looking to make a big sort of loud and high energy record at all I mean I can do that and do that all the time but that wasn't what I wanted for this I wanted something that was very romantic and something that you could put on with your lover or your partner and and just groove and listen to it and have a nice romantic evening. Maybe best to be enjoyed with a glass of wine or something.
You've performed for a lot of presidents as well. Yes, I've performed for two presidents. And actually, the first president I got to meet was uh, Bill Clinton. And it happened to be that Quincy Jones introduced me to Bill Clinton. We were at this summit called the Academy of Achievement Summit in Dublin, Ireland. And it was tremendous. Uh, I was hanging out with Quincy Jones. And he turns around and he says, hey, Bill, I want you to meet somebody. And so we were sitting there just all having a drink at the bar. It was it was such a wild thing. I have a picture. I got to get it out someday and put it online so everybody can see. But it was me, Bill Clinton, and Quincy Jones just shooting the shit at, at, a, at a pub in Dublin, Ireland, drinking Guinness. And the reason why I wanted you to share that story is because I also envisaged him getting his sacks out. Obviously, didn't happen. Oh, not at that time. Oh. Not at that time. And then the other time, I, I met uh, uh, George W. Bush. I was fortunate enough to perform for him at the White House in the East Room uh, in a band called the National Jazz Museum in Harlem All-Stars, mm -hmm. directed by Lauren Schoenberg. And that was a phenomenal experience as well. Can you talk to us about Ryan Lerman? Should we know about him? Ryan Lerman's tremendous, yes. He's a great guitar player and singer, and he has some beautiful songs, and he's doing some really cool stuff. Ryan actually plays in Michael Bublé's band as well. Yeah, he's, uh, he's taking some time off right now, though, because he's on the, on the road with uh, John Legend. As you do. Rounding up with Jumani right now. Thank you very much for, for staying back. I do appreciate it. My pleasure. It. it is a busy time for you to be out and about and doing stuff. People are going to kick me if I don't ask a little bit about Michael. And really, it's not about him. It's about you. But what do you get night after night seeing someone like Michael Blue Bay on stage? You know, I've learned so much from being around Michael. He's, he's truly a great person and, a, and he's very humble and super down to earth and knowledgeable about what he's doing it's not an accident that he's in the position that he is now he's really worked his butt off to get there and it's been a tremendous experience for me to see how that process has gone and to see how he has done it and and gotten to the point where he is and he's helped me to put together my first record and he's helped me pick the song selection and and helped me all throughout the record. He was always there for me, listening to my demos and, and stuff. And his grandfather was like telling me which songs I should play to. And he gave me a, a tape. His grandfather made me a beautiful tape with some of these songs on it. And he wanted me to check them out and, you know, as song ideas. And, and I, I did. And I was like, oh, I fell in love with some of them. And, you know, as, as it went on, I, I started to develop a an understanding of what it was that I was going to do because I, I whittled it down from like 500 songs to make these 11 songs the record. Thanks for your time. It's absolutely my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Jumani Smith recorded a couple of years ago, in fact, well over five years ago in Hindley Street, just down the road, in fact, from where our feature guests, Mosquito Coast, for this episode were recorded. Theirs, though, was at Peter Rabbit and Jumani's was at the back of a nightclub. That chat, by the way, I thought I'd share with you from the archives, stressing from the archives, as Jumani still tours as the trumpeter in Michael Blue Bay's band, as Michael has received a number of awards in the last few hours as part of the 2019 Juno Gala Awards. To make it super easy to subscribe and follow Radio Notes, I've organized a URL you can put in which will go direct to Apple Podcasts or the Android Podcast, or if you're on a Mac or a PC, to the relevant website. The URL you need to put into a web browser is the following to get there. playpodca.st backslash radio notes. That's playpodca.st backslash radio notes. That will open into your Apple podcast, your Android podcast, or into the relevant web browser to subscribe there. RadioNotesPodcast.com for show notes and links. Web design there by Steve Davis. Theme music by Martin Kennedy and All India Radio. 
I'm Tammy Weller. John Murch is the producer and host based in Adelaide, South Australia. 